Welcome to the Inspired Wild podcast. I'm your host, Trevin Stoltzfus, and I am here sitting at the table in the legendary Split Rock Ranch Lodge with Larry. Larry, how do you say your last name? Moppin. Moppin, okay. Because I, I, I want to say it, but I don't know why I want to say yeah, it. Yeah, it looks like real fancy. Yeah, so it's just Moppin. Okay. And uh, Tanner here, uh, Tanner Vernon, cameraman extraordinaire is also here with us. You know, Wyoming has been, at least for me, a huge part of the last nine years, the Split Rock Ranch. If you followed Outback Outdoors, uh, it's what we kick off every season with. And um, this is our third year hunting with you. Mm -hmm. And... So, of course, Quentin Smith and QRS, Jordan and Quentin, uh, great, great friends of ours. And um, we've done a lot of hunting with them. And what a great, great time we've had. And Q's almost to a point to where he just le- he just says, you know, clean up after yourself and, and turn the lights out and lock up before you leave. Which is nice um, because he doesn't have to babysit us. But on the flip side, hopefully we can... Maybe he should. Maybe he should. <laughs> I'm not saying he shouldn't. But, uh, you know, we can kind of come and do what we need to do, but then also help you. Like you had um, a gentleman and his son, uh, John and Trip. I think, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. Um, I love that name, Trip. That's a great, great, great name for a an active young lad like he is out there yeah, fishing today yeah and he's got an elk tag we had the mule deer tag or a deer tag and uh but this year is different than last year last year was dry 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 and yeah how much uh talk about the 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 ranch and how green it is because i don't know that i've ever seen it this green this time of year yeah, I haven't seen it this green either. I came through um, Muddy Gap <clears throat> the beginning of July. I was going to Nebraska to pick up some panels for the fair. And when I came through Muddy Gap, I called Q and I, I said, dude, I have never seen this place this green in the spring. And then we started looking and they had just got four inches of water but or rain. <clears throat> and he said, that's probably why. And But when I came up here earlier last week, that's one of the first things I said too. I said I haven't seen this green, and it's in August. Right. right. It wasn't that green in March, April, right? Many of the months I was here. Which, for those of you again that have followed us in the past, you realize that this is an oasis because here we are. It's kind of high desert. Um, you do have Green Mountain across the highway. Um, some decent uh, public land elk hunting, hard to draw. You know, mm-hmm. it's one of those things that that it. I when I drew it, I think I had seven preference points in in four, 2014 and i don't think you can draw it with, with i don't think it's that no i think it's eight or nine mm-hmm. uh, if i remember right that's more q's ballpark but here on the ranch you have four pivots and they're yes. the only game in town right i think the next irrigated fields are somewhere around 70 miles yeah and what i always explain to people when i'm talking about the split rock is it's a, it's a collision of ecosystems you have whitetail habitat you have, of course, mule deer and tons of antelope, elk, and then we know there's mountain lions. I mean, and, and bear too. And bear. I was at bear last year. 
That's how dry it was that they were coming off of Green Mountain looking for food all the way over here. Wow, that's crazy. So for us, coming in, um, all the pivots are running, and everything. It's green anyway, but the alfalfa looks awesome. Awesome. And so uh, we're used to seeing hundreds, and I'm, when I say that, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of antelope in the fields. But this year, there was more mule deer bucks. Um, as far as, we would always have three or four good ones that would be coming into the pivots, into the alfalfa. But this year, there was probably eight or ten that were shooters coming in and some really good ones that three big three point we we saw the first morning and we'll talk about each day and kind of break it down because that's always fun to to reminisce and and take people through the whole journey so this year was kind of special but even above that all of the deer and the elk that were already here normally there it usually takes a little time for some of the public land especially for yeah. this big numbers what we're seeing right now we got a hundred usually this time of year you'll have a group of like 30 40. right and there's over a maybe close to 100. yeah and it's uh three bulls in there and of course that's good for your elk hunter <laughs> yeah <laughs> because sometimes you have to wait a little bit uh for the public to get hammered mm-hmm they get pushed on. Um, I was talking to... Tan. No, but it's funny every year how... In the, when I first came up here, that was one of the first things that... After being here a couple of weeks in the summer, I was talking to Quentin. I said, where the hell are the elk? <clears throat> and, he, and he would tell me they won't be on the north side of the highway until after Labor Day. Because right around the first September because all the hunters, they're coming on Green Mountain and the last bit of campers for Labor Day and stuff. And it's just like... Uh, like clockwork every year that they come across that highway but you're right not usually a hunter this early and bugling and yeah. acting ruddy and all that stuff just crazy yeah coming over i was talking to tanner though that this is bittersweet because all the memories i have here all the great times all the shows we've we've laid down um and to, to you know the only thing constant in life is change we know that and um you know in my in my opinion god has a plan and and it's on to, it's on to bigger and better things a lot of times although at the it, it, when it happens you don't always think so but this ranch has changed hands and things are going to change so for me coming into this hunt going well this is going to be the last split rock it was you know it was it was a little bit uh, a little bit surreal coming over so what i wanted to do i was telling tanner this i wanted to make sure i smelled the roses you know i, I wanted to soak it all in yeah and tonight you know after what happened tonight standing there sun setting you know waiting to see if those elk are going to move and um i just sat down and just soaked it in and it's it's a special place it's a, for sure a special place and you can't experience it um by hearing about it you have to see it and hopefully through the many shows we've done here we've portrayed it like it really is so but let's talk about the first day we got here you already here and um and john and trip were here 
they came in a day early, I think. And you guys, when we showed up, you guys were sitting there uh, glassing on the knob. And then that, uh, you know, just kind of making a plan for opening morning. Right. And normally, explain to how you hunt elk on this place. So generally, we're going to start every morning watching the fields, seeing what's leaving the fields. And then what direction they're going, we're going to make a plan on the fly. But we... The guys that guide here for Q and, and Quentin, you know, I mean, he's taught me everything about this ranch. You learn the land and you know which ways they go and they're elk and they're not necessarily going to go, but you know when they go out the south into the fields, usually where they got to cross the river and all that stuff. So it's a game of which direction are they going? Can I get out in front of them and get set up before they get there? And the, and ambush. Mm-hmm. That's generally how we start the morning. Now, if they're not in the fields, then it becomes a, you know, you got to find them first. And once you find them, it's a matter of making a decision of, are you going to go after them or is it not worth the risk, you know, wait for them to come out because generally they're going to come back to the field. So then if you can figure out which way they're coming back, same thing, kind of set up on them and try to catch them in transition. Ambush hunt. Right. Yeah. In transitions, yeah. With a bow, you know, that ambush has to be a lot closer. Right. When you're hunting with a rifle, you just need to get in that 200, 250-yard range, and then you have that opportunity. But you're still hunting similar ways. Right. All right. Tanner, you've how many times have you been here on this? Four or five times, mm, I think. Yeah, I think so. Something and like that. your thoughts on the way we mule deer hunt here? I mean, it's kind of the same deal a lot of the times. You don't, you don't always get a, a play in the morning which i would say across the board for mule deer that's kind of normal you're kind of trying to watch these deer you know go up and figure out where they bed um it doesn't seem like we get very many plays in the morning and a lot of times these deer bed in kind of hard spots like there's not a ton of vantage points i mean you got split rock that comes out of the ground but i mean you can't really just go crawling up the side of that but we got kind of these a couple little knobs and stuff that we glass off of but it's so flat everywhere else it's kind of hard to get advantage and and they're never the deer are hardly ever bedding on a slope so it's always on a flat or something and they'll go into the brush and disappear so i think a lot of times in the morning you know it's trying to see if you can find something you know and you can pinpoint where they bed and make a stock or i mean you're just seeing where they end up and you know like you were saying you you kind of start to know where they come back and go and so then you try to set up an ambush a lot of times and we've had some good luck in the fields using decoys for antelope mm-hmm. you you were involved with justin when he killed his and and uh you know it, in a situation like that you're you're supplying your own cover whereas a lot of what tanner and i were doing on this hunt was glassing bucks down and they would go and bed in sage but the problem is the sage is six foot tall Mm -hmm. and you can see them go in and you know they're in this 20 by 20 foot area but you don't know where and we had some goofy winds 
Yeah. You know, the first two days, the wind was not the norm. And so some of the things, some of the ambush points that we've used in the past weren't the best. Um, Tanner and I set up on the knob and glassed bucks out in the flats. But we really couldn't go out there. There was 11 of them and they were literally in a flat. Right. There was no way to approach them undetected then we looked the other way and there was bucks getting into that sage pocket by the cottonwood it's great but we didn't we didn't see exactly where they bedded and with the wind kind of weird we we looked at we we tried to get some what we thought was the best play but we didn't even make a stop you know midday which sometimes you can do that if you bed them down we couldn't do it so what do you do? You come back to the lodge and you make a plan. Okay, how are they going to come back to the pivots? And so the first night, um, Tanner and I set up on the gate. And what, what we mean, the gate is it's it's a, a gate coming out of the pivot. And there's a road, two-track road, and it's open. And the, the animals just like to go through that. It's a, it's a natural pinch point. And where I shot my buck last year is on... That would be the north side. Is that right? No, west. Yeah, yeah. That'd be on the north side of where the road goes through. Yeah. And, uh, but with the wind, we couldn't sit there. And so we said, okay, well, we went to the south side, but it's a down slope. And Tanner and I found a pocket that was pretty tall sage. We didn't even need to really do anything we just found it the best spot where we could sit and if they came through there we we're going to be in them 30 yards mm-hmm. it's going to be awesome and we wouldn't get winded that well we have these 11 bucks we're hoping they're going to cross right in front of us to go out in the field we know they're going to the field but how are they going to get there and then the other way they can go is over the pass what we call bonsai pass mm-hmm. and you guys have just killed a immense amount of animals through that mm-hmm. catching them coming and going because it's close proximity it's a pinch point again through uh, through a rock ridge and it basically you know kind of funnels everything in mm-hmm. and you guys didn't sit there no not and that's the first time. Well, that was the original plan. We were going to sit there the first night, but in uh, because we knew that they were using bonsai pass, and so in the morning they were already out of the field before. Uh, Sorry, big yawn there. It's late, guys. Um, they were yeah. already out of the field in the morning, but I was quite certain that they were because that's what they had done come into the field over bonsai pass the last two nights so i was quite certain that they just were out of the field before daylight and they were back there and once they're back there in those pockets it's it's just a smarter mood to wait for the evening for them to come back you could go back here and go after them but yeah i think your odds are way better waiting for them to come across that pass so that's what we did we in the morning we went to a different canyon and kind of just did some scouting i mean mean, there was elk sign everywhere but they weren't in there they were in there day four but we had seen the elk 
where they went because I, we had been here last year and we'd seen the elk do the same thing. And so Tanner, you and Tanner right. went out and actually found those elk and they were, how far is that from the pivot? A mile, mile and a half? Oh, it's further than that. Further than that? Oh, okay. Yeah. So you guys found them way up in this pocket, mm-hmm. up a draw and up a pocket. And then you started looking at Onyx and you found that there's a road on the back side of there. Mm-hmm. So the way the wind was blowing, you guys actually had a midday play on the elk. Right. T- t- take us through that, because that was pretty cool. That's a pretty cool story. Yeah, so in the morning when we were over checking, me and the hunter and his son were over um, looking at another draw, You while you guys were looking for deer, you um, saw the elk come around the back of the pocket. So they were leaving the pocket that I th- was assuming they were going to stay in like they had done in the last two days. And you got and Tanner watched them go all the way up. Uh, pretty big draw pretty high peak and they bed it down we found them then we went and located them somewhere around noon just to make sure they were still there verify it and then yeah we came up with a plan we got on onyx and google earth and started looking at what was the best route up there and everything and we went around that backside played the wind right came up on the ridge and skirted it all the way down and um it, it was really weird because it rarely does a plan go that well yeah. so we got i mean i popped out where i mean where we marked them on the map was pretty dang close and when i put when i first got eyes on them we were 180 yards and still plenty of room and stuff to maneuver behind to get closer yeah big rocks and they're kind of like in a um sage bowl off of a peak and you know those big rocks everywhere boulders little outcrops here and there so you know we got up to about within 150 and uh trip and i sat down and i told john to move forward try to get up in front of about 60 yards and i told him just to keep looking back to make sure i could see him and he moved up to the first set of rocks and he looked for a bit and um he's signaled to me that he was going to move up to the next set which i knew i wouldn't be able to see him so I, we moved up to where he was so now he what we were behind a big rock outcrop, but there was a couple gaps in between the rocks so you could see through without having a turkey peek over the top and skyline yourself so it was both for me and trip in separate holes so it was good that he could sit down and watch it all and <clears throat> once john gave me the thumbs up that he was good ready to go I could see him like on the other side of a bowl and it came down and right back up to us. But I mean, so I cow called and uh, maybe two or three times and he finally, he bugled. And when he bugled, I just immediately went for fight mode. I just screamed at him real short challenge bugle real quick. And I think there was two or three bugles with a little bit of of time between them maybe 30 seconds between them and then but every time he'd bugle i'd cut him off and and after by the third one he i could hear it in the bugle he was challenging bugle back screaming and getting pissed off and um after the fifth bugle he he started to come and he came all the way down and up to 25 yards and john had lazed a um rock a big black rock but there was a bunch of black rocks and i think he got a little excited and he came up and he thought he was at his rock but he thought he was at 25 the elk was at 
No, no he, he thought it was at 35, 35 and the elk was at 25. Now, you can't see this, right? No, I could see John. I could see John come to full draw, but I can't see the bull. So, you, 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 but you can tell the bull's getting closer because the bugles are getting closer. Right. Well, I mean, I could see him when he was on the far mm-hmm. side, but once he dropped down into the little dip in front of us, I couldn't see him. So you're, but you're assuming he's still coming. Right. And well, and I was watching John for my cue. I, and once I saw him come to full draw, I knew I just need to shut up. Right, right, right. And you did. Yeah. I so, shot, shut up. He um, launched arrow. And uh, like I said, I couldn't see it, but he immediately told me it wasn't a good shot. It was so high. That, it was high. Just clipped it. Yeah. So the elk never spooked, you know, that's the beauty of bow hunting. They didn't have any idea what happened. The bull didn't even happen. He didn't really take off running. He just kind of turned around and, and I guess, um, it hit just right at the top of the fur and it kind of like the arrow just stuck right in up top of his hide. And when John said, when he went back over to bull, the, the arrow was like stuck in his, in his top of his hide or right on the top of his spine. It was like bouncing around and then it fell out. And then, so we just let him kind of graze over the top of the hill and start going down to the bottom and once they were over the hill we went up picked up the arrow and it had about an inch and a half of blood on it so it didn't get any kind of penetration i went over to the hill and watched the elk go down for about 20 minutes down the hill and i could see the bull and he wasn't i couldn't see any blood coming off of it um he wasn't limping he wasn't doing anything I, I i thought he was good at one point i saw him turn around and, and lick at the center of his back but i couldn't see any blood coming out and he looked fine so he was nothing wrong with him right and we actually saw him the next day and he wasn't limping he was bugling yeah. and rutting and yeah and probably like i told you he probably got hurt worse rutting you yeah. know fighting other bulls and uh, but that was a what uh, John was pretty excited when he got back t- and told us a story. I mean that's a that's that classic encounter. Yeah, bull coming in, screaming, and you know bring him in twenty five yards. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's yeah. A lot of people pay big money to <laughs> hope they can get that opportunity. So you're doing your job. I guess that's what we're saying. You know, <laughs> Larry's doing his job. It's um, a lot of fun. But then that afternoon, we set up again south of the road, you know, because the wind was bad. And those bucks are going to go a bonsai or they're going to come right in front of us. And we hadn't, we were like, man, we should be seen. But, but where we're set, we also can't see the bucks coming. They're just going to be there. Mm-hmm. So that's, unfortunately, that's kind of a, a bummer. I mean, it's, it's good when you can go, okay, yeah, here they come, get ready. Yeah. Well, we could, we didn't have that. But we sat there, and I think you peeked, Tanner, didn't you kind of peek? You peeked, happened to peek up, but probably just to stretch your legs a little bit or whatever, and you peeked up, and you caught those bucks, and they were heading right over Bonsai. Yeah. Yep, I stood up. I could just barely see over the rise, and I'd watch them single file up Bonsai, so. And, we had, and you weren't there that night. You were actually those elk after that encounter had kind of circled and they were coming back into the pivot but they were coming kind of a a roundabout way and uh so there we sat going man darn it if we'd only set up on bonsai but the wind was kind of squirrely and we could have set up on the south side of the pass but i thought our chances were better down by the gate yeah 
I mean, that's, you got to make a call. You, I mean, you, right. everything about hunt, bow hunting is decisions. And you live and you die with them, you yep. know. So that that ended our first day. Not a bad day. Well, I went back down through the draw after those bucks went up bonsai and peeked over the top, and there was two four points coming oh, across the, right. the flat. And oh, that's so, right. So I came back and grabbed you, and we went down the draw and popped up, and those one nice four point, probably the biggest four point that we've seen, and a, and a little bit smaller one. We're walking just straight down the flat, but we kind of paralleled them down in the draw and popped up, and they're probably what like 120 yards, maybe. And then, so we tried to go down further in the draw to get even with them, and because they were kind of angling towards us. Yeah, we knew they had to cross that draw eventually, and so we crossed the fence and went down a ways and popped up, and they were just freaking gone. Yeah, we have like, no idea. And it's a big open flat. So you would think, oh, okay, there they are. They're running on that. You know, we spooked them or they smelled us or whatever. And we popped up. They're nowhere around. And we only went, what, 40, 50 yards up mm-hmm. further? And then we just kind of peeked over. They had to when we dropped down, just like ran for the field or something because yeah. they were gone. Yeah, that's right. That that ended our evening. So the good thing about that is we have a lot of expectations. We know there's plenty of bucks. We just really got to hunt the right opportunity. So the next morning we got back on the the glass and knob, and um, sure enough, again saw bucks leaving the field, saw bucks going into the sage, bedded some bucks down. Just couldn't get a solid wind to make a play, and so we again kind of said all right let's let's set up for the evening and right negative ghost rider am i am i misremembering yeah those okay. bucks were leaving the big three-point looked like he was leaving towards the gate so he dropped off the backside oh, of the knob see i'm missing the whole that's right got into a wash oh. went down the wash okay start to, over to get in front of him so we got on the knob and this is what happens when you've been going like this and you're tired. I'm trying to remember. Hey, this was your idea. I know. <laughs> it, was, it was my idea to do this. But, you know, if we don't do it while we're fresh, if I can't remember it yeah, a day you after. another day. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be, the, the, the memories are going to be lost. So we actually, you're right, that big three point was leaving and we bailed off and went and dropped in the draw and actually had a pretty good encounter with a, a smaller buck and yeah. some does but we thought those other bucks were following right behind that's right mm-hmm. yep and, and we had that one buck cross it how far was he 40 mm-hmm. really cool cross i mean if they had followed we'd have had a sweet it would have been sweet a- setup but they kind of just went off uh to the east and a little sage flat and you know kind of milled around in there and we ended up i don't know how close would we get probably we snuck back in through the stage but we couldn't get that close so then we We didn't get within 150 yards of them so then we got back on our high point and watched them and watched them and watched them and then finally 
got out of there. We actually had him come pick us up. Yeah, because we couldn't get in the in the ranger <laughs> because the ranger was in plain sight of where they were yep. bedded. That's right. And then so that that's what made our plan for the evening because now we're like, okay, we know they're going to go back in the field. And so we set up in some sage that was basically going to be in path or in a path of where they could go, but yet we could move in it because it was tall enough. And we got comfortable there and we had does start just literally just showing up. What was the closest doe? Nine yards? Yeah, maybe. And we're like, oh, this is perfect. And then we're waiting and waiting. More does come. No buck. And we know he was right there. And once again, you stand up and turn around and look. And that son of a gun had gone down behind us and made a big circle into the pivot. <laughs> and so there we sat again, kind of feeling foolish. Yeah. But that's right. That was cool. I mean, that your best, the best laid plans of men sometimes go awry, right? Because again, you're dealing with an animal that's going to make a choice based on its survival, and um, and they survive in some. They don't always cooperate with that. No, mm -mm, no. Yeah. So today, third day, got up this morning, got back on the glassing knob once again, find some good bucks. And watch them go into tall sage, but this time we have a good four point that bends. And we're like, oh, this is perfect. Might even be able. And the wind had changed this morning. So it was actually a, a little bit more manageable for us to make a play on these where they were positioned. And one thing we should probably add too the difference between today and the first day of the smoke. Oh yeah, that was really, really yeah, smoky I mean, the first day. Difficult to glass, you know, as far as we normally do, I guess. Yeah, even from just across the pivot was. Yeah. Especially when the you get, first day, you couldn't yeah. see when you get close to the evening, and then we had. I mean, we were basically the first day in the two days I was here before we started hunting. You were losing almost fifteen minutes of daylight off off of your shooting time. Yeah. And we had some good storms roll through, and I think that that helped knock it down. We had pretty good rain a couple times. And That's yeah. true. Much better today. Yep. Yeah. So, Sorry, where were you going? No, no, that's good. Um, so this morning we had we that had, one. Kind of had deer going every everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. And there's this big three point that we were, have been watching. I called him Trey because he's super three original. Point. And I'm, <laughs> I'm smart like that. Uh, and he headed out into the flats through the gate and thinking, oh, that's perfect. He's going to go out there. Tonight we had a wind where we could sit on that north side right in the same place that I killed my buck last year and you had the elk up that draw, putting them in position to come back through bonsai. Mm -hmm. So we were actually going to work together in a way to where you guys were on bonsai pass, right. giving John a 
15 yard shot mm -hmm. we were going to be down giving me a 35 to 40 yard shot and then in a situation where those elk changed or those deer changed maybe there was some way we could communicate and you know get the right people in the right spot we weren't going to hurt each other because the wind was that perfect for us it was it was ideal today right and that's a real rare wind that for is, up here it, it is but it's wind. a perfect wind yeah. to hunt that yes and um we so we decided let's just go in the same pickup we went in your pickup we jumped in the back got all our crud that we have to carry around cameras and you know mm -hmm. all that stuff and we had actually gone up a little earlier and just checked on the blind added a few little pieces just to keep it like you know keep it high enough where you could hide behind it but then you could also shoot and uh then you guys we went out there you guys headed up and we headed the other way got in our little hidey hole and the cool thing about it was we were going to be able to see those elk for you where they were bedded right because you couldn't see them from where you were at right well i went and checked this because we found them in the morning and then they stayed in that pocket pretty much all day and i went and checked uh like two times through the day just to make sure they were there before we committed to go sit up there and an hour before we went up there i went and checked and in that hour they had moved they weren't as deep back in the canyon i could see when we first got up on bonsai i could see a couple cows bedded more different from where they were earlier mm -hmm. and i think they were actually kind of split up because there's a water and hole in another canyon and i think some were going to the water and hole and then coming back it makes sense it makes yeah. sense yeah so when we got out of your pickup to split up we looked into the field and tanner says that three points already in the field <laughs> meaning the big pivot right. which basically takes him out of play because there's no cover right and 800 freaking set of antelope eyeballs along with him and another buck that he was out there with so that was kind of disappointing but we had seen another good four point and we'd been seeing some medium-sized four points some young deer and then these two real respectable bucks and i'm not the best trophy hunter i i, I hunt the opportunities you know and with a bow i i'm you know, I, I'd like to just shoot a, a four point or better, you know, or a big three point, or even I've taken some management bucks off here. And uh, we were kind of disappointed getting up there. And so we get up there and get settled in. You guys got settled in. And then, Tanner, I think you looked back and said, well, that big four points are already in the field. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, we have no, I have no idea how he got out there. We didn't see him coming through the sage and going out there. He didn't come by us, so he must have circled around. Yeah, but you also got to remember, like, over the last two days, how many times did that buck do something that you weren't expected? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, constantly, constantly. But we were able to find a couple little bucks that were got, got up, started feeding right away. 15 minutes later maybe two other bucks got up and one of them was a decent four and you know a nice four by four what i would consider a a beautiful wyoming buck the other the other three uh i would have been pushing it to shoot because they were just young um and so of course tanner goes 
would you shoot that buck? And I said, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. If he gives me a chance, I will. Well, just like reading the script, they started working our way. And you know, when deer want to move, they feed, they feed, they feed, and then they just pick their head up and they walk and they cover some country. And pretty soon we're, uh, Tanner and I had moved a little bit so we had a better glassing vantage point. We're like, well, we better get back in the blind. So Tanner had long lens and he goes, I think he's gonna go right through here. So he set the camera up and hit record and we left. And we, we hustled back down, you know, just around the corner to the blind. Mm -hmm. And I'll be darned, we looked at that footage. That buck walked right through that camera where the way he set it up. <laughs> like like it, he read the script. Nice. And the, the cool thing about that was that buck kept coming and he didn't turn up and go to Bonsai, which we were, we were concerned. He might come past you guys and you don't have a buck tag uh, with your hunter. He was the first one. And Tanner was able to look out the little makeshift, you know, cedar bow blind that we made, and he could see him drop in and come up. And it was, it was cool in the way that it was very much like last year, when uh, Taylor and I were here, and they just came right out. And he came out, and he was the first one. And yeah, a lot of times the bigger buck is not the first buck. I mean, it, it just kind of depends, but a lot of times it seems like the, you know, does and the, all that stuff has to get past you or the little bucks or whatever. And then the, the bigger animal will be coming up the rear mm -hmm. and he was way, he was, he was way out in front yeah. of the other bucks. And he stopped, he wasn't into my shooting lane yet, but I could see him through some of the cedar in the boughs, you know, and I knew that Tanner was probably on him through some through some brush but he didn't have his clear window either and um so when we finally got pretty much straight out in front of us and i ranged him and he was 41 and um he was walking up and coming almost in the exact spot as last year that's Ooh. crazy man so but he wasn't going to stop you know how a lot of times they'll get up and they'll look well, he was going, he was, I was concerned he was going to start running, you know, because when they get a close and they can see that field, a lot of times they just take off running into it. Yeah. And so I came to full draw and I figured just that movement might get him something to turn and look at me and stop him. No, he didn't stop. So the only thing I could think of was to do the old white tail. And I did that. And he stopped, and I just settled the forty-yard pin, and, and and pulled through the shot. And when the shot broke, um, he did duck. Especially looking at the video, he did duck. It looked like I hit him a little bit high, but I am up higher too. We were, you know, kind of back in in the rocks a little bit, and um, he took off running. I mean, just scooting, and he dropped through a little draw and up the other side and kind of came through and then ended up going back down in the draw and he face planted one time and kept his footing and anyway i was able to see him You're the not, whole time he was hauling butt because i when i first watched the footage yeah he was getting i thought it. tanner had it on like fast forward he, no, i was like man that he was moving getting it and i was able to see him go down and so that's a great feeling you're like he's down right there and uh 
and I looked back at Tanner and he his eyes are wide and we fist pump and just that whole emotion the the the, the rawness of we did it again in yeah. the same spot and that was kind of cool but the night was not over no so well, you still are on the hill I did text you I said well we got one down and you're like yeah all right he and you said can you still see the elk and so tanner had peeked around he said yep they're still there they were they were a little lower like because the, i they had gotten up and started feeding mm -hmm. but then they kind of bedded a little bit later and this was pretty early what time was well, it yeah, well I they shot? were on their feet when that wind was kind of but when that wind picked up it seemed like that's when they bedded down again um because they there was a whole bunch of about half of them were over in that water inside another draw and they were coming across that little hill back in the other and i and i saw one of the bigger bull uh bigger bulls checking cows and and everything then they all kind of disappeared back in the bottom again and i couldn't see them and, and we could yeah well closer to evening like would you say 20 minutes before 30 minutes before last light yeah, I mean, it was probably seven-ish. It was after seven, because I remember telling, I was talking to Trip and the night before, they when we were on them, they didn't get up until like right at seven, seven ten, before they started moving, but they were much further from the field. And Trip, you know, he was getting a little nervous. He was like, do you think they went up the other side and came out the other side? I was like, no, I don't think so. Remember last night they didn't get up till seven and they were a lot further away, so they might might be a little closer to dark. So I think it was like seven twenty, seven thirty yeah, is when started seeing the cows pour out and coming up into the sage. And elk when they decide to move, right? They cover some country, right? But they were moving. They weren't running or anything like that. And it was because of the wind. Yeah, they had to. They had a not a favorable wind for them because the wind we had. It's almost at that point a north wind, and so they're walking with the wind basically. I mean, they they walked you know east for a while along the backside of that ridge, but those cows just kept stopping and looking and checking and because if they can you know they're always going to walk upwind into wherever like and, and you see that's happens everywhere it's just what elk do mm -hmm. and but they they couldn't where they'd put themselves they had to go with the wind to where they're feeding so that's what my thought was like yeah it's going to be late because they're going to wait till almost dark to hit the field and the whole way they would just go ways and they'd stop and they'd mill around and you know those older cows would sit there and look around and then they'd go a little further and stop and well i i texted you i said it's your call right so but you you knew there was a point and i when i looked up and i saw that lead cow and she was lined out and she was kind of already past where she was going to have to drop into the draw to come up over the pass to, right. to come in front of you guys and so i texted you i said you guys need to get down here and it's what a quarter mile you know 400 yards yeah over and up and down rocks <laughs> right and so i'm like you guys got to get here because now they're moving pretty quick and i actually left tanner and i ran around to meet you so i could kind of guide you the quickest way and uh i i shot a little high you went low and i came around behind you <laughs> not scared to the tar out yeah you. i mean i was kind of hauling but trying to get down there as fast as I could and be safe on the rocks. 
with a um, John and Trip Trips Eleven running behind us, and we're just we're trying to move as safely as we could across there, but we knew we had to move quick. And I didn't even see you coming down the rocks. You jumped down, and I was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, but I uh, we got John. I grabbed John. You guys tucked into some into that cedar tree, mm -hmm. and so that you know, because you knew we didn't have enough room for all of us in there. So I wanted to see if I could get on camera. So Tanner was kind of just, he was already set up. And so we came up, I got grabbed John. We went up there and I put him where I was and I just kind of, uh, kind of was gonna shoot ranges for him so that he could uh, be ready to go. But I think his legs from running down, he he was hurt. Well, we did a lot of walking too over the last yeah. Years. So I well, I ended up I got some water out. I grabbed his bow. I said, "Let me. I'll hold your bow." Well, he had an arrow knocked. He was ready to go, and then uh, he just kind of sat down, caught his breath, yeah. kind of collected himself. It was which was great because at this point you're the only one that can see the elk. And, and what are they doing? Yeah, they just stopped because they were at the point where they're about to come around the corner that point and head straight south into the field so they're now the wind is at their back and those cows just stop and they're milling around and they're like looking and and uh they stopped there for the longest amount of time and it's just they're probably at 180 yards 200 yards from us at that point and they're just kind of held up on just on the other side of the wash and you and know, like, you told me to give a couple couple calf calls and to try to help convince them to come and that's what i did and that started them right because it was yeah i mean it was like instantaneous right then they just the first couple committed and then you could hear them crossing the wash and you could hear them rolling rocks and everything and i'm like well here we go and this is a bunch of elk yeah there's a lot of elk and here we are we'd had four deer one in front of us the one i shot and the four were the other three were behind and of course when i shot they ran but and now we have, I, I don't know what was in front of us, 30, 40 head, and the others were still coming. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so John's ready, and there's a little little bull, probably four by four comes up, and then this bigger bull comes and runs him off, mm -hmm. but and then stops, and the cow's clear, and he's directly broadside, and I range him, he's 42 yards. And I tell John, 42 yards, 42 yards. He comes to full draw. 42 yards and he's settling in and right as he's about to shoot matter of fact i'm almost about to say wait hold on hold on the bull steps forward and turns away so now he's quartering away and john shoots and it turned out much better than you could imagine because if he would have stayed broadside to us mm -hmm. it would have been a gut shot but instead, he turned quarter and away, so it put it behind that last rib and went forward where it needed to be. Yep. I, I mean, looking for the footage, I think it probably smacked that opposite shoulder. Right. And Just I like told him. Would. I told him. I said, "That's a that's a good shot. Good yeah. shot." But he didn't. It didn't look at first when we saw the video. It, it was a lot clearer. But at first, you know, an arrow goes in, hits an off shoulder, and bounces back. Mm -hmm. And so it bounced back, and it's sitting there flopping. And you're like, man, that's not very much penetration. When I saw the bull, 
that's what I saw. Right. I saw a half of the arrow hanging out. Right. And I was like, ooh. And that's the first thing I said to Trip. He said, did you see it? And I said, yeah, I saw it. The arrow, I said, it was, and I don't know how much penetration he got. And I, and I was concerned, but then you're right. If you watch the video, I mean, it's it a was lot buried. Better. Yeah, right. it was buried almost all the way to the fletching. And then him moving and jumping and stuff, I right. think, pushed it out some. And the crazy thing is that bull made a big circle and almost looked like he was starting to push cows again. And then he got and kind of wide stance like whoa i'm not feeling so good and i told john i said shoot him again and he how far is he well i guess i should have rained that's my job my only job was to range right and i forget to range it i'm telling him to shoot so i range he's 75 yards well john only has a 65 yard pin and for those of you listening you've probably heard me say this if i have an arrow in an animal I will empty my quiver because I, I want to do as quickly as I can and, and humanely, I want that animal not to suffer, to be dead. Not and to run. Not to run. <laughs> and um, he, 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 he set up, pulled through the shot, and just was low. Left to right was perfect. Mm -hmm. just, just went just, just barely, uh, low. barely low. And uh, I mean, when you don't have a pin for it, well, it's, you know, you're guessing, you know. Yeah. So unfortunately, the bull, you know, runs a little bit and then all the cows now start to leave. And you're like, oh no. But he didn't even act like he wanted to follow the cows. He just bailed off into the ditch. Yep, he just went straight down into the creek, the creek bed right there, the wash. And I mean, we could see you know every way out of that and we sat there for i don't know how long till it was dark pretty much and watched and watched and watched and never saw him come out of there and we did hear some crashing and we did hear some heavy labored breathing um and we're 120 140 yards from mm -hmm. that so you know it was definite so we knew he's still in there so what do you do when in doubt back out and so we snuck out of there and here's the crazy thing he shot that bull five yards from where i shot my buck yeah you couldn't plan that i mean you can't you can't same write that night, how, same night you know, same an hour apart or yeah so crazy hour and a half apart so the plan is we're gonna go ahead and let him sit overnight we're pretty convinced he's dead um but Talking to Q, the better part of of safety or, I don't know, just being wise yeah. is to let him sit, and then we'll get him in the morning. It's going to be 35 degrees maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be really cool. Yeah. So we're not real concerned with spoilage, more concerned with coyotes, but if it was a deer, I'd be more concerned. An elk, a little bigger. Um, so that's the plan. Um, I'm, if if I was a betting man, I'm ninety five percent sure that 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 bull will never leave that creek. He'll lay down if he'll, he's not already he'll dead. He'll leave. We're just gonna carry him out of there. Right. We're, he's, if he leaves, he's leaving in the back of the ranger. So, but what a what an exciting couple of days. There's nothing better than call and response hunting yeah elk man this time of year is just like the greatest thing in the world to me right yeah it's pretty special it's 
pretty and this place is pretty special yeah you know that's yeah, a good way to good way to end it right yeah. there yeah buck and a bull <laughs> you know i thinking back i i'm gonna have to at some juncture just put a all split rock collage together that'd be cool all the encounters and all the shots and all the you know and i knock on wood i don't have to now but i've i've never had a tag and not failed here the opportunities are amazing and it you know i, I i've missed i missed a 32 yard shot on a whitetail that was on the back side and i was in a blind everything was perfect and i missed and yet i've also been on the ground belly crawling in the pivot where there was a pretty deep alfalfa and got to within 60 yards of a buck and he stood up and i came to full draw came up and he didn't make it 50 yards after i shot him so you know i've i've had uh, you know highs and lows but um you know i i can only i can only thank q and jordy for the memories because that's what i have of this place is fond fond memories so and i have it all on video i mean that's the other special thing this place is i don't know it's it's a lot different than our colorado places it's just if you like to stalk this is the place to hunt i mean it's everything from like you said six foot sage hiding that's the easy stuff all the way down to mid shin that's what we were last year trying to stalk elk and shin height sagebush yeah because it was it, so dry but it's it's hard and it could be frustrating as hell but that's why bow hunting elk so fun i think yeah. it's yeah. hard yeah and bow hunting deer here because you have whitetail i mean you have meal i've killed a whitetail here i've killed meal deer here um i've killed an antelope here it's it's just so unique you know it's a unique place it's fun any last thoughts tanner no not really you're tired yeah i'm pretty tired i'm not gonna lie to you well larry i'm excited to get up early and go recover that bull and uh and close this chapter yeah be fun yep well thanks for listening and uh we're excited to bring you excited and sad in a way uh, remorseful not remorseful what's the word i'm looking for just just kind of i'm just sad because uh, this is the last podcast we'll do here last hunt we'll do here but it's not the last hunt we'll do together no and, and that's what's that's what's always fun so thanks for listening god bless and we will see you guys down the trail